Hi everyone, welcome to the Laura Horn Art Podcast. I hope you are doing well. This week I thought we could have a chat about my favourite art techniques. And a while ago, I think it was a few episodes back, I did a podcast with Richie about my favourite art supplies. And during that podcast, well, you got a bit bored, Richie, didn't you? Well, I think I started dozing <laughs> off. <laughs> and it was funny because I mentioned that in the episode and I was wondering if other people were getting bored, whether I was getting into too much detail. But a few people were very lovely and they sent me messages saying that they absolutely love when I get into the nitty gritty of art supplies and techniques and things like that. So we're going there today again, Richie. Eyes open. <laughs> Stay awake. <laughs> Time to geek out. We're going to geek out on techniques this time. And I've had to think about what are some of the things that I absolutely love doing when I'm in the moment making art. And one of the reasons that this came up for me this week is because I haven't really been making that much art lately because we've been so deep into the modern mixed media e-course and I've been in there and just managing that. And it's been a while since I've had time to devote to my own personal art practice, but it's coming. You are planning. <laughs> it is coming and I can't wait. I am craving it so much. And during the month of September, I'm making it a priority to spend time just painting and making my own stuff. I'm even thinking about having a bit of a social media break. I just feel like I need to go into the creative cave for a while I've been thinking about what I want to do during this time. One of the ways that I, I guess, start a new body of work is to think about process, to think about what it is that I actually enjoy, like when I'm creating. And that's what has got me thinking about techniques. Yeah, well, isn't that the most important thing? Like the most important thing is to do what you love. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it sounds so simple, but mm. sometimes we get caught up in wanting to create work that impresses other people. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I've been thinking about having a social media break as well, because I feel like sometimes my art gets influenced by the fact that I'm going to post it on social media. And I'm just wondering what would happen if I spent some time on some work that was truly just for me. It's a really big thing in the photography world. People are taking photographs because they know they will get likes. They're not taking photographs of what they want to take photographs of. Like it's even affecting their editing style. I think it happens to anyone in any kind of creative area. And this is the world we live in with social media. It has an influence. We are craving that approval. And, and I think it's healthy sometimes to take yourself away from that and do some of that deep work. And then you can share it on social media down the track if you want to. I think social media has good things too. Like it has a motivational element. Um, but I am definitely... Looking forward to spending some time on my own craft, digging in deep, doing my favorite things. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So let's chat about what those favorite things are. But before we do that, I do want to share a review of the week. And this one is one from the archives. We're going back. It's from Honey is Yummy, Apple Podcasts. And it's called So Happy I Stumbled Across This Podcast. Found you on the Instagram search. See, social media is important. <laughs> uh, um, have been listening to all the episodes. The structure of your episodes and banter is perfectly done and so enjoyable to listen to while I am working. Great content. Thank you for putting this together. So much work, but you're doing it beautifully. 
I really appreciated that episode today because I don't know, I was a bit sluggish this morning Mm -hmm. coming in. I knew that we had to record a podcast and I even used the word had to just then, you know, like it felt like a bit of a something we needed to tick off the to-do list. But reading that review actually just has helped me today to just settle in and and enjoy this conversation. Yeah, and I love her name because honey is yummy. Honey is yummy. Mm -hmm. It's a good name. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much for that review. Um, We love getting your reviews. They truly do encourage us. So please do head on over to Apple or Podbean or wherever you listen to our podcast and send us a review and you might just hear it when we read it out. (laughs) I can guarantee you'll hear it. (laughs) Yeah, if you send us one now, right now, there's a good chance you'll hear it next week. (laughs) Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by my online class, Abstract Landscapes, and quite a lot of the techniques that I'll be talking about today are in this class especially the techniques of drawing out compositions, um, using fluid materials, drips and wet and wet and all that sort of stuff. So this class is all about drawing inspiration from nature, but also enjoying the process of making art. It's a very process-driven class. So I hope that you'll enjoy it and go over and check it out. You can find it at laurahornart.com forward slash classes. And the class is called Abstract Landscapes. It's on sale until the 20th of August using the coupon AL20 and that will save you 20% on the class. And it's a mini class, it's self-paced, downloadable videos and you can work through it in your own time. Speaking of techniques and processes, I just mentioned about loosely sketching out compositions. And this is one of the techniques that I do across watercolour and acrylic. I often start with some kind of water-soluble supply, like a Neocolor 2 pastel or a watercolor pencil. And I use that to loosen up my arm, my wrist, my hand, find a bit of flow in my painting and just sketch out loosely where I think I might be sort of placing the energy of the painting versus where there might be some negative space. So I'm finding my composition in a way, it's very loose, and I play with all sorts of different ways of, of scribbling and finding different kinds of compositions. And sometimes they change during the process because I know it's that early layer and I can always layer over the top. So you're doing this on your actual piece. You're not doing it on a piece of paper. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because I probably didn't make that clear. I Sometimes I do do a sketch on paper, but more often than not, I'll dive straight into either a piece that's on watercolour paper or on a canvas and I'll just start sketching out shapes and lines and doing some mark making. Is that when you're feeling braver? (laughs) Just get, just jump (laughs) straight in. Just jump straight in. I think it's because I've done so much work and sketchbooks and things that I find it quite easy to just launch straight into a painting. And sometimes I also use paint straight away and I do the same process particularly when I'm using acrylic paint. So if I'm working on a large canvas, I'll mix up a few colors and usually it's quite simple. Um, I'll have a mix of values. So I'll have a light color, a medium color and a darker color. And I'll just move the brush around and let those colors mix on the canvas so that there are some light colors, medium colors and dark colors. And that helps me to kind of grab onto something And then I keep working from there. So I like that idea of sort of loosely sketching out a composition or having an underpainting. 
and then building that up through layers. So you're kind of, you're warming up, but mm. your warm up is also going to set the tone for the yeah. finished painting. Yeah, so I saying? actually, like it looks just like scribbles and it is just scribbles <laughs> in honesty, but I am sort of finding something through that process that I will work with. So I am looking at interesting shapes and how I could have different areas of the canvas be, you know, a focal part of the painting, whereas some of it is quieter. So I'm already sort of thinking about those things. And that's just how I like to, I like to approach it. When I'm sketching with a pastel or a pencil or something like that, I do use water soluble supplies because that way they kind of melt into the next layer. So they're a bit more forgiving in that sense. So things like Neocolor 2 pastels, um, watercolour pencils, those sorts of things are my go-to tools for this exercise Yeah, you don't this be, part of the process. Yeah, you don't want to be warming up with permanent marks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do if that's, that's the way you work, but maybe it helps me to think to be braver because I'm not so worried about it as being part of the final outcome. And that leads me on to the next technique, which I've put down and it's very broad. The technique I've mentioned is layering, but I have come to realise that all of my paintings take quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and we've definitely noticed this when we're filming classes. And sometimes I wish that I had a slightly less layered process because everything I seem to do, it doesn't matter whether I work on watercolour paper or whether I'm doing an acrylic painting. There's a lot of drying time. It looks great though. <laughs> layering looks great. Yeah, but I enjoy that process of building up depth through layers and being able to see the underneath layers shining through the top is something that I particularly enjoy. And when I work in watercolour, I work from light to dark. So I start with my lighter colours and then I gradually build up with medium value colours and then darker colours so that you can still see those light areas underneath sort of shining through. And then I might put a, like a pop of a bold dark colour in the very final layer because when you are working with watercolour it's difficult to layer a light colour over the top of a dark colour so that's why I work in that way where I build up slowly light to medium to dark and then you've got all these little subtle details in the background so that's something I enjoy and I find the process meditative and relaxing to build up shapes in that way. So sometimes I'll be working on something very simple. You know, I might just be layering the same type of shape. It might be a circular shape or an oval or something like that. And I just get in the zone and I listen to a podcast or a bit of music and just build up shapes, patterns, things like that. Yeah, it gives your painting depth, you mm. know, like in photography, getting back to photography, but in photography we like to do, you know, a foreground element mm. and a background element. And then you have your focus, which is the piece that's in focus, we'll say. And uh, yeah, I, I like that, especially when you do your leaves. It yeah. looks like a real tree, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like having a foreground element. Like when I come in with a botanical over the top of that background and I bring in like a branch or something like that. But it's funny when you mentioned that about photography, and this is a little bit off track, but <laughs> it just made me think about it. I remember a few years ago, you teaching me about this idea with photography of having a foreground element. And I got really into taking photographs like through trees and things. So you'd have like a little branch in the front and then I'd pop my painting up 
and they take photos in the garden where you'd be looking through and have a little foreground mm-hmm. element. I'm wondering if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're yeah. Fra- yeah, you're framing your yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting the way these ideas cross over and photography ideas then you can use in your art as well and there's a lot of the same principles. Even to this day all the composition rules of painting they're all photography rules. Uh, even the name of our lighting, some of our lighting is named after painters like Rembrandt lighting. Yeah, because we, we created a composition video recently for our e-course, Modern Mixed Media. And this is a video that I've wanted to create for such a long time, but it's such a big topic. And I have to admit, I felt a bit overwhelmed by it. And I didn't want other people to feel overwhelmed. So I didn't want to contribute to that feeling by creating a video that just makes you go, oh my gosh, there's so many different rules and structures. And I just worried that people would come into a painting thinking too much and overthinking it. So we had a good chat and we we really, oh, we brought it back to like very simple ideas. And it, I felt that it was important to me that I created a video where I only shared the things that I actually use in my art because I went onto YouTube and I had a look at things and there were all sorts of structures and ideas. And I had to be honest, I had never used half of them. I, you know, I just, they're not things that I think about. And I certainly didn't know the name of them anyway, like as I was working. So I didn't want to create that kind of video where I was talking about things that I actually don't use at all. So when I took that approach, it made it so much easier because there's only a handful of things that I use on a consistent basis when it comes to composition. And I created a video around that. We realised as we talked about it that so much of it related to photography as well. And I even watched a few photography composition videos when I was researching for this and going down a composition rabbit hole on YouTube that I kind of wish I didn't go down. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, it just, yeah, it just makes you realise that this stuff is just in everyday life crosses over all the time Mm -hmm. and I have no idea how I got to this (laughs) I'm getting off track but anyway I was talking about composition at the beginning of this podcast sketching in compositions so there you go I mentioned that I enjoy when you can see the underneath layers coming through and one of the products that I use when I am painting with acrylics to achieve this kind of effect is a glazing fluid or a glazing liquid And what this means is that I can combine the fluid with any of my acrylic paints, my heavy bodied paints, my fluid paints, and create a glaze, which means that you can get a very transparent effect. And the advantage of a glazing fluid over, say, mixing your paint with water and watering it down is that it enables the pigment to mix well. So when you add water into paint, often you get like little clumps and little bits of pigment And when you lay it down, it's not nice and silky and smooth. The glazing fluid disperses the pigment evenly in the paint and allows you to get a very sheer layer. I think I explained that quite well. Pat on the back, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you just said. (laughs) You looked blank though, so I probably didn't do such a good job. No, that means you are doing a good job. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I use glazes a lot when I'm painting with acrylic. They allow you to build up depth and 
and then they allow those underneath layers to shine through. Sometimes I completely obliterate underneath layers and I'll use opaque paint. There's different ways that I layer. The bottom line is layering is good. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got plenty of time to have cups of tea that way. (laughs) You've never heard the kettle boil so much, have you? (laughs) We need to let this dry, babe. (laughs) What? (laughs) But the funny thing is we'll set up the camera, we'll be ready to roll, and you'll literally paint four leaf shapes and go, hmm. I need to let it dry. We need to let this dry now. Because I'm going to paint some more leaves over the top. Because that's the other thing I do when I paint botanicals. I, I do layered leaves. So there's drying time with that. And I actually mentioned in my classes that, okay, I'm going to go have a cup of tea now. I just want to say that that is legit. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely then go put the kettle on and have a cup of tea, sometimes two, before I come back and keep filming. So there there you go. Let's move on to one of my favourites. I know that you know all about this. I love using wet on wet techniques. This is the the best thing to film. And Richie gets excited because it looks great on camera when you add paint into already wet areas and you see it puddle and disperse and do the cool magical things. And I've always enjoyed painting botanicals in this way. So let me try and explain it. I'm just imagining people listening. It's hard to explain techniques sometimes, but I will run through what a wet on wet botanical is. So what I usually do is I paint out the botanical shape, usually quite a simple shape, using dirty paint water so I can see it on the page. So when I say dirty paint water, it's basically a very transparent mix of paint. And then I add in either watercolour or ink and I just drop it into those wet puddles and I see how the colours collide and mix and it's all very unpredictable but it gives some beautiful effects. And similarly when I'm working in acrylic I'll often do and I don't know what I refer to it as because I think I do it in the abstract landscapes course I do like a all over like wet mixed layer where I just go in and I mush paint around and I have a very loose layer. So I'm allowing wet areas of paint to butt up against each other and drips to, you know, and I'm I'm dropping paint into already wet areas. It's playful. It's very playful. Just on that where paint butts up the paint, Mm. then you have like your happy accidents because sometimes you'll be painting and I'll be filming and then I'll just, I'll see it's about to happen, but you don't see it. And then you go, oh, look at that. And it just happens by accident. And it's always like with a red bleeding into a really lighter color. Yeah. And yeah, I just love it. Yeah. I have a lot of accidents when I paint. It's all part of the process. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of drips. (laughs) Cut cut that out of the podcast, Richie. There's no such thing as accidents. I'm always splashing things on myself, on the paper, like, I couldn't be a precious kind of artist the way I work because I mess things up all the time. Like I just knock over something or I drop a paintbrush. And for some people, I imagine it must be quite challenging (laughs) 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 because, you know, I might have done three or four layers and then I'll just be dizzy and I'll just drop a whole brush on top of the whole painting. But I've painted so many paintings now that I, I just... They're not precious anymore. Yeah, I just don't feel that precious about them anymore. And I truly have become quite optimistic when I work 
and I look at things and go, okay, there's a problem to solve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I always loved problem solving and like turning things into things. You know, I used to play scribbles with my dad. That was one of the games we used to play. I play it with my kids too. You know, you just draw a scribble and then you have to turn it into something. Like that was my favorite game as a kid to just put down little curly lines and a few straight lines and a few dots. And we actually had a show, I think, oh, I just sounded very Australian then, <laughs> show. <laughs> Sorry. We had a show, <laughs> putting in the extra vowel sounds, uh, called Mr. Scribble. I'm not sure if people remember that show, but was it, I think it was an Australian show. Basically, Mr. Scribble was a puppet and he used to turn uh, shapes into drawings. So we used to play that at home and I loved it. And I still love it. I still love the challenge of turning something into something else. So I never really see something like that as being a major problem. Maybe in my early days of painting I did, but these days I kind of go, well, what can it be? It's just meant to be something else. It was just meant to be. So that makes making art a whole lot less stressful and fun when you can just roll with things and, and find, find, I guess, the silver lining. Yeah, well, that's the thing with wet and wet. It's uncontrollable. I think I've gravitated towards techniques that are a bit uncontrollable because that way I know right from the beginning that I haven't got a hope of, of really keeping this on track. So I may as well just surrender to it. The great thing about it as well is it's, it's totally unique. It's like a snowflake. It, they're just totally unique. Yeah, there's never one that's the same again. No, you so. can't replace it or replicate it. Yeah, so I, I like techniques like that. I like wet on wet. I like drips. I like splatters. I like all of that sort of stuff. I find it's good. I have a pretty, I don't want to say I'm like controlling in my personality, but I do like things to be a certain way and... For me, having these kind of techniques in my art practice has actually helped me to loosen up in life as well and to be a little bit more easygoing and to roll with things that crop up and not get so stressed out. So it's important for me to continue practicing this in my art so that I can be better at it in life as well. Yeah, like even your terminology, you know, you call them happy accidents. Yeah, it's just one of those ways, like it's a mental thing as well, like by calling them that, I'm straight away seeing the good rather than seeing it as a mistake. Just like that Irish guy you met all those years ago. A happy accident. <laughs> the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> yep, the biggest happy accident. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the only way I can actually get up in the mornings and <laughs> take one step in front of the other. He's still here. I just have to call everything a happy a accident. A happy accident. <laughs> At least you're not calling me a drip. Oh, that'll be next. That's next. <laughs> you look like a bit of a drip this morning. No, I don't. What are no, you talking you don't, about? Not now, but oh, you I did. did. Yeah. Well, I just got back in from training, so. You, <laughs> you got ready. To, you were going to go from training straight to the studio and then you came back. <laughs> Because you realise you look like such a drip that yes. you, you decided that you would actually get dressed get properly. Dressed. Yeah. And this is another side note. That's something what we try and do, don't we? We actually try and get dressed for work. Yes. It's so easy to not have to. 
often I don't see other people. So I could come here in the messiest of clothes and I know that I paint and it doesn't make sense to wear nice clothes when you're painting. But I do a lot of watercolour work, which is pretty forgiving. Even when I splash it all over myself, it washes out of my clothes. So that's a bonus. But there's also a lot of days when I'm not painting and I'm working on my computer and doing things like that and doing things to do with the podcast and the courses. And I find it helpful to get up and get dressed every day. And you're doing something you would rather not do. So it's kind of like a little win. You know, you get up, you make your bed, get dressed. Actually, it's funny you should say that because on the admin days, which I don't particularly love, but one of the things I do love is that on those days I'm not painting, which means I can wear the clothes that I really like, like, you know, my fancier clothes and I put my jewellery on and I get dressed up for the day. And I actually really enjoy putting like my outfits together and wearing different fabrics and patterns Mm -hmm. and textures. And that's a big part of what I enjoy because when I choose things, I choose those vintage florals, for example. So I have a whole lot of skirts that have floral patterns on them and, and it brings me a lot of joy to wear them. So even though I don't like doing admin, the bonus of an admin day is that it's a day when I can get dressed up in all my things that I love. So there you go. Another com- another completely <laughs> <laughs> random part good, of today's conversation. But it's a good bit of advice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're stuck doing something that you don't really want to do, well, take control of something you could control. Wear something nice that makes you feel good. Yeah, like I love earrings. Like every day I choose my earrings and it gives me a thrill. Like I like to look at, you know, I have I collect them and I have all sorts of different ones. I don't actually have that many. Hint, hint. Well, you want me to buy you earrings? <laughs> no, I actually don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I want to buy myself earrings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, buy moving your on. Own moving on. I just like earrings. <laughs> so the next technique that I wanted to talk about was etching and scratching into things. I think it's a fun process. You have wet paint, you grab a stick or you grab a comb or something like that and you just scribble or draw something into that wet paint. I've always liked etching as a technique and I particularly loved it when I discovered there were specific tools out there for etching called catalyst tools. Sorry, I've got a bit of... <laughs> Sorry, I had a bit of snot in my nose. Oh, I thought you were getting emotional. <laughs> Please don't put that in. I was like, what's she crying about? (laughs) I was like, why are you crying? What's so good about etching? I just had a bit of a runny nose and I just like got... (laughs) You were like, it was like you were reminiscing of your catalyst blades. Oh God. Anyway, moving on. Um, (laughs) I got very excited about those catalyst blades. You can etch with things all around the home. Combs, all sorts of things that you can find. But I do really like the, um, what is it? The material that the Catalyst Blades is made out of is flexible. It's a... It's some kind of... Silicon. Um, silicon, yeah. Yeah, they remind me of kitchen tools. Like you can get silicon. Spatulas. Um, spatulas, similar to that. Um, but they have that little bit of give in them, which makes them easier in a way to push paint with than something that's really rigid, for certain techniques anyway. Um, so I particularly like the Catalyst blades and tools and wedges and things like that. They're made by Princeton. Okay, I was just about to ask you that. Is Catalyst the name of the company? No, it's the name of the kind of brand within the company. The company is called Princeton. 
And I have to say, I, I love Princeton as a brand. I use all of their brushes as well. So I use their watercolor brushes and their acrylic brushes. So there you go. <laughs> if you're looking for brushes and handy tools for etching, go and check out Princeton. Do they like? Do they have different levels? Do they have like a cheaper version? Do they have a more expensive version? Yeah, it's one of the reasons I think they're great because they have value sets and you can get brushes that are very affordable in packs and I use them for years and years and they are versatile. You can use them for watercolor, acrylic and oil and then you can go up and get brushes that are more specific for the type of art that you are making. So they have stiff brushes that I like for acrylic paint. They have very soft watercolor brushes and, and so on and they have different price points. Now I was going to ask you what's the difference between etching and stamping because the only thing I can see the difference is that etching you drag through the paint yeah. and stamping you stamp down on the top. Yeah, that's basically the difference. I've been getting into stamping a lot lately and I share a few ideas in the Modern Mixed Media e-course, but I've also been getting some great ideas from seeing the students do their own examples of stamping and using things from around the home. And one of the things that I'm enjoying is using leaves, so stamping leaves into my artwork and creating some subtle background textures. So I'll go and grab some leaves out of the garden and literally just paint on the back of them and press them down. So it is a little bit like going back to kindergarten because I think we all did that at some point at kindergarten. We created stamps using leaves. Or rubbings. Yeah, or leaf rubbings and things like that. One of the participants in the course did a leaf stamp from a geranium leaf. And it just brought back this like flood of memories because I remember doing that as a kid. We had geraniums all through our garden and I'd quite often use them to create patterns, cards and things like that, like when I was doing artsy, crafty things when I was little. And I'm finding ways to use techniques that I did as a child and loved. But, but, but you stamp with loads of stuff. Like you stamp with potato, sea sponges, random stuff from the garden, cloth. Yeah, and I, I think I've always thought there was a bit roll. of a like risk of it being a bit too kid-like, like that kind of art. But lately I've been finding ways to bring in those sorts of things and then add a bit of sophistication, I guess, to the, to the art. So it's not just, what am I trying to say? Am I just trying to justify doing stamps? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's a leaf stamp. It's a leaf stamp. You probably did it in kindergarten, but it's cool. If you haven't done one in a while, go back and do one. That's what I really want to say here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sure there are other techniques, but these were the ones that sprung to mind when I had to think about this today. So when I go into my artsy cave in September... I am pretty sure that I'm going to be doing plenty of scribbles and loose sketching, working in layers, which equals plenty of cups of tea. I'll also be doing some wet on wet, getting that nice fluid feel into my work and of course, etching and stamping. And I think I'll be hunting down some new tools that I can use, particularly for the etching and the stamping to see if I can come up with some new effects in my work. So just thinking about those things is a way of me getting prepared and excited for the next creative phase. So I think what I would suggest for people who are listening is if you're feeling a little bit blocked or stuck at the moment, maybe step away from the outcome of your art and think about what 
processes you enjoy? So what techniques do you like? How do you like things to feel and sound? Some of the techniques that I've mentioned today, I love them because they, they make a noise, <laughs> like a cool sound when you scratch through paint or rustle papers. And sometimes it's that, um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the word for like when all your senses are heightened. Sometimes it's that that I'm craving, that feeling of like the sounds, the, the, the look of things, all of that. So go back to your process. Go back to the techniques that you enjoy. Or if you are just starting painting, try different things out and notice which ones you enjoy the most. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have to say, Richie, you, you stayed awake the whole time. Yeah, you were in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might even want to try some of these techniques out. You never know. I'm just I'm getting back into my camera and my photography groove. So I'm... Uh... You're getting back into the creative cave as well. Yeah, and have a yeah. couple of you have a couple of private projects in the in the pipeline, and I can't wait to get started. Super. We did talk about the fact that we wanted to both get back into our own personal projects after we finish this course. So I'm glad that the seeds are being sown at the moment. So for for everyone listening, I just hope that this episode sparks something and encourages you to go and play and enjoy your art today or this week or sometime very soon. <laughs>